0: Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. This is a podcast where long-form conversation allows us to connect with those who inspire us beyond small talk and social media posts we're bombarded with on a daily basis. Join me on a journey where I speak to people from all backgrounds with different perspectives, each sharing their stories, struggles, and successes. Be a part of a community where you connect to something greater than yourself i'm your host karen Corrin and welcome to soul sessions with kk children one of the most misunderstood demographics of our world most of us were taught that we must always respect our parents and our elders but what about the other way around Sterna Suisa talks to me about how children need unconditional love and respect from the adults in their lives. And it starts with self-awareness. When Sterna got married, she noticed that she lacked proper communication skills. After much research and looking within herself, she realized that much of it had to do with something in her childhood. And she is here on a mission to make sure all children have a childhood where they are understood, respected, and loved. How do we understand and connect with our children? What does our relationship with ourselves have to do with how we raise them? How can we relate to children when they're crying, screaming, or going through heavy emotions? Find out by listening to this episode with Serna Suiza. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Sterna Suisa. She is a parenting coach, and right now she's actually a very popular parenting coach with almost 19,000 followers. Sterna is making waves in the Instagram world. She does parenting through connection, and she's here today to talk about what she does. Thank you for being here, Sterna. Thank you so much, uh, Karen, for having me. We've been wanting to do this for a very long time.
1: Yes, yes, a very long time. And I'm so happy it's finally, finally here.
0: Yes, thank God. So, Sterna, can you tell the audience how you started on your parenting journey?
1: Yes, of course. So, um, from a very young age, my own childhood was kind of like a roller coaster ride. But while I was living my childhood, that was normal for me, that was my norm. And I, you know, I was a happy child, no matter what I was going through, even though looking back, you know, I went through lots of experiences that were not very normal for a child to go through, you know. And as I entered adulthood, I got married. And I honestly thought, like, even though my childhood was a roller coaster ride, I was still, you know, somewhat normal. Right. And I was okay. I am okay from everything that I went through. And when I got married, I start, it was like, as if like a bombshell just hit on me. Like I was having a hard time communicating my needs to my husband. I was finding myself having arguments or having fears over things. And I was like, wow, like something is wrong, you know, like something doesn't feel right. And I started to dig deeper into myself and I started to connect the dots. And I started realizing that every challenge I was facing in the present had to do with something in my past. And I was constantly dealing with something in the past even though it seemed so, you know, something in the present. And I started to realize how much my childhood had an impact on me and I wanted to do better um for the future family that i was going to raise with my husband so i started to dive into self-help books parenting books and i really kind of made it like my mission you know that i would you know break this generational patterns before me and offer better for my children and i'll never forget when i had my first child as much as i was questioning everything It was as if the way I was brought up kept creeping into my days. And I really had to be so intentional, so conscious with every little thing I was doing. And as much as I wanted to break free, it still kept creeping in. And I realized how big this work is. And it's really um, something that I had to really give my, my full energy and time to and question every little thing that I was doing. Um, So I did that, you know, for many, many years, I started questioning everything and I started changing things and I started realizing things. And as as the years were going on, I started to also have this kind of like puzzle of my life put together where I was kind of understanding um, the way I was parenting my child, which made me understand my own childhood, which made me understand the effects of it in my adulthood today. And it was kind of like puzzle pieces over the years getting put together. And I remember, um, you know, hanging out with friends, parents, and of course, all we talk about is parenting, right? We're all new parents. um, And we would discuss about parenting. And I remember being surrounded by my friends and hearing the way they're going about things with their children. And thinking to myself, oh my gosh, they're misunderstanding their children. Like they're really misunderstanding their children. Um, and I'm not the type of person to go out and, you know, kind of give advice to people unless they ask me. So I would stay quiet. And one day, I, I'll never forget. I had this incident where I was sitting somewhere, and I overheard two parents talking. And they weren't talking to me. And the parent was saying how, you know, she's had it. And she's gonna be telling her 18-year-old child to leave their house because he is not obeying with the rules. And she was going on and on. And I was sitting there and I felt so uncomfortable. I said, I have to say something. Like, how can I just sit here? But nobody's asking me advice also. And I and I literally I just took like a brave step and I went to her and I said, you know, you were not talking to me. And I'm so sorry if, you know, I'm imposing this or I'm being rude, but I have to tell you something. And I told her two sentences. I said, I don't know your child and I don't know you. And all I have to say is, we don't own our children. And God gave them to us. He blessed us with a child and we have the merit and opportunity to take care of them. If this child you're talking about wasn't related to you, if I called you and said, hey, can you host somebody in your house? how would you treat them? How would you treat them if they didn't clean up after themselves? How would you treat them if they came late? How would you treat them, right? These aren't our children. And I told her, I said, I said, whatever you do, don't take your child out of your house. Do one thing before, treat him like a guest. And she looked at me, she's like, what do you mean? I said, treat him like a guest. That means when he wakes up in the morning, you make him breakfast and you sit down with him and you say, how are you doing? What are your plans for the day? She's like, okay. I said, a guest, you would probably go make an effort to make his room. Do that for him. Treat him like a guest. See what happens. And he's like, and she was telling me, she's like, you don't know my son. I said, I don't need to know your son. I just know that every child is our guest in our home. Anyhow, that conversation ended. And I actually bumped into her years later. And she literally had tears in her eyes and she started shaking. She's like, do you remember me? I said, I do. She's like, from that one conversation, everything changed in my house. And it literally gave me the power to feel like, like I have to share this with, with parents. I have to start speaking up. So I started speaking up. And every time parents would talk to me, normally I would just listen to them complaining and not give advice. I started opening up and saying, Hey, you know, can I help you out with this? Can I share what I've learned over the years? And the more I would do that, the more parents would come back to me and say, Oh my God, Sterna, you're so right. Like you're so right. And I, I, and I shifted that and I did that and my child changed. And like, I I don't know, like, this is insane. Like, I, I wish I knew more. Can you tell me more? And then I started, I started taking, you know, all my friends together. I started sharing everything I've learned. And from one group of parents to the next, to the next, to the next. And then I wanted to expand and reach more parents. And that's where, you know, I came on Instagram. That's how I found you. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So it's very
0: interesting. Like continue what you were saying.
1: Yeah. So basically it kind of also, I feel like it came to me. Like this calling came to me. Like I would sit, you know, um, in any event and suddenly a mother who's, you know, 50 years old with four teenagers would sit next to me and start telling me about her kids. And I would tell her a small thing and she would be like, what, oh my God, can I call you for more? I have to talk to you more. And suddenly I made relationships and it just like literally just came to me. Like, you know, parents would just come over to my house and like. Talk to me about parenting. And it it really, I feel like it was, it's like a calling that called to me, you know?
0: What I find interesting with your story is that you started this journey before you started having kids. So from what I'm seeing, it's parenting is not so much about how you're treating the child, but it first comes within how you treat yourself. This is what I'm sensing from your style, that it's not just about like, I'm the parent, you're the child, do as I say, because I'm the boss. It's more like I'm discovering what triggers me, what makes me happy, what makes me sad, what makes me angry. And because of those things, that's going to affect the way I treat the people around me. You also said something about the way you were raised. I find this to be a common common complaint. I don't know if this is a complaint from you, but many people of our generation, I feel like we're the same age more or less, complain about the way they were raised because, you know, their parents came from a different country, they didn't know any better. They didn't have parenting courses when they were raising us. They didn't know anything and they had trauma. It's like we have trauma right now. Do you think that the way we were raised was specific to the way our parents from where they were coming from? Or is this something that every parent goes through?
1: Right? Yeah, that's a really good question. I first want to touch upon what you mentioned before um, learning all this before I had children. Because what happened was when I reached adulthood, I lacked communication skills, I lacked the ability to understand myself. I needed to teach myself that. I needed to become my own parent. So I started learning about parenting because I needed to, i needed to be that for myself. Because if I wasn't going to do that, nobody would do that for me in adulthood, right? Nobody's going to come and, and start, you know, um, understanding myself. I had to be that parent for myself um, when I reached adulthood, realizing all the lack I had. And it's not coming from a place of complaint, you know, because... Um, you know, yeah, thanks it, for
0: I, clarifying I, that. Because, I, it, yeah, I've
1: reached a point where it's more of an acceptance, right? I've just accepted that you know this is um, the childhood that I've had growing up, and the truth is, looking back, uh, yeah, it was a roller coaster ride, but I wouldn't change it for anything else in the world. I would never, you know, change the parents that I have. I would never change anything because I trust that if this is what I got this is what it's meant to be for me in my life and this is what actually gave me so much strength you know and it's through the pain that I felt in my childhood and in adulthood going into adulthood with with so much lack the pain of all of that is what pushed me to actually grow so I'm thankful it's actually uh, I'm, I'm thankful right I'm very grateful um for whatever was and i accept and back to your question is that every single generation to follow will always have what to work on what to improve because we're all human and i'm imperfect so i will do my best right now with my children and i also know that they will also have things that they will need to work on for the future generation does that answer your question
0: Kind of, but I actually wanted to also know, are we kind of curating a childhood for our kids by like making sure that we don't do anything wrong, that we speak to them nicely at all times, we work on ourselves? Could this be a detriment to children? So it's not about us. You see, it's not about
1: us trying to be a certain way. It's about them. I need to make sure that I am providing for my children what is for their best in adulthood, looking for the long run, not the short term. You see, it's not about right now with my children. Everything I do with my children today, I think of in the long run. Will this affect them in the long run? I want them to enter adulthood as healthy adults. That is my goal. And that is, I think, everyone's goal, right? That is really our goal. It's not about me, really, right? It's not about um, I, I, I'm, I'm more concentrated on them. How can I best provide for them? What would you think is detrimental?
0: You hear when parents are trying to everything great for them, but sometimes you feel like maybe you're spoiling them or you're making them entitled. You do hear stories of parents who did everything for their kids, like everything you can imagine. They spoke the right way. They try to never raise their voice, never spank them. They just try to do everything right and treating them with civility and connecting with them. But their kids somehow are not coping healthy adults, whatever healthy means nowadays. Right, now exactly. It's like- so
1: I, I feel that doing the right thing can have different meanings for everybody. So I believe that one thing that many parents think is doing the right thing for their children can be very detrimental, is when we try to save our children from experiencing any pain. You see, that's not our goal as parents. Our goal as parents is not to make sure my child is always happy and to always fix any pain that comes their way in order for them to be happy. So I feel like sometimes somebody can feel like I did everything right thinking, I saved all their pain. I I made sure, you know, but that actually could be detrimental. You see, to try to save our child from experiencing pain removes them from the chance and opportunity to feel pain, to experience it, to decide what changes they want to take in their life according to the pain, and to also realize I can feel this and I can also come out of this pain okay. A lot of us have, you know, this idea where we need to save our child from feeling any pain. And that is doing them a disservice because life is inevitably, in life, they will inevitably face situations that will be painful and we will not be able to save them. And at that point, they're going to have a hard time processing it and feeling it and going through it without it completely destroying them as an individual because they've never had The practice of doing it as children, as young children. I don't know if you're referring to
0: that type of yes, there's so much I want to explore. So in the beginning of this interview, you were discussing how you had to do a lot of understanding of yourself and you had to explore a lot of things about yourself in your past. Then when you're an actual parent, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about them. How do we go? From this journey of like self care, self improvement, self help to other help, to it's about them and it's not about me.
1: Yeah, it's not about me because what happens is that if, for example, a parent um, never got something specific in their childhood, you know, something that we lacked in our childhood, we try to give to our child like in an abundance, in a way where like, You know, I hope that they don't lack it. And I hope that this is, you know, but that was for our, that was an experience we experienced in our childhood. And now our child is experiencing their life, their childhood. So it's not necessarily what, you know, how, like my childhood was filled with experiences. And what I went through was my story. And now my child is experiencing their story, their life. So I don't want to mix the two because that would be that like my children are kind of like an extension of me, right? That means that they are now going to, you know, oh here's an example. Um, I always dreamed of learning piano growing up, and my parents never gave me that opportunity. So now I have a child, and it's like, okay, I'm going to give you piano lessons. You're going to be able to do piano lessons now, but really hold on. You see, that's my dream. That was my dream that was never fulfilled. So I need to now tell my child, you know, or observe my child and see what could possibly be a passion that they would be interested in doing right now. It has nothing to do with me and my past. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes we need to split the two. And this is my story that I own. And now they're creating their own story. But you have to know your own story before you start. Yes. Right. You, I, I wouldn't say have to, because that would be conditioning it. I think it's just a beautiful journey to experience together, you know? To experience um, to see our children's childhood and also maybe to go back to ours and and just to think over each of them as separate.
0: Do you think it's a necessary step for every parent to go through this journey where they have to go through their past and their childhood? Because I know many functioning adults, I mean, yeah. from the outside it seems that way, that they're like, I had an okay childhood. They don't really think much about it. Right. They never like really went and did that inner work yeah. to figure out, I, you yeah. know? I
1: don't, I don't think that we need to go
0: backwards
1: and, you know, go back to every event. And a lot of us maybe don't even have the memories. The thing right. is though, that our body has the memories stored inside of it. So what happens is, is that our body will show
0: us can you give an example?
1: Yeah. So for example, um, you know, for example, I was never allowed to say no to my parent. There was no way that I was like, I, I just, if I said no, there would be heavy consequences. So I never said no. I wanted or I'd to be, be called loved. rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted to feel loved, right? Especially as a young child. So for example, my child says no to me. Suddenly my body right is not accepting of it my body starts to like yeah not feel good right here (laughs) right so kind of like my body starts to feel like oh my god like what's going and that is basically memories from my past it has nothing to do with my child it has memories from my past where I was never allowed to say no I was never allowed to, and and here here I am, faced with a child saying no, right? Or for example, if I was never heard in my childhood, right? Nobody took the time to listen to me. And now I feel unheard with my child, right? I want, it's like the same feeling back to the past. Our patterns of what we feel in our life today tell us the story of our past. We don't have to go to the past, we can see today. What are our fears? What are our triggers? What makes us feel uncomfortable in our body? All of these things tell us the story. We don't need to go to the past. We're living
0: it right now. It comes up in our body. So what do we do when it comes up? So let's say I'm just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, one of my kids starts screaming in my ear and I get this for me, when there is a yell, when there's yelling from anybody, I my I feel it in my body, like what you were talking about. I get this like pit in my stomach. I feel something go to my back. my My body starts to tense up. So I'm aware that I'm being triggered. I'm aware that the the yelling and the screaming and loud noises really gets to me. So what would I do at that point (laughs) to not explode or, you know, continue that pattern? Right. Yeah.
1: So at that point, which is, it could be very challenging to do. We need to kind of, you know, allow for how we feel to pass through our body, right. To kind of go into a space where I'm accepting that this is very hard for me right now. And we don't want to react on it. So we basically can find a a way to ground ourselves to feel what we're feeling before reacting. And that would be kind of, I think the the number one thing that helps so many of us is taking a deep breath. Now, it could be very hard to, you know, suddenly take a deep breath when we're feeling this way. So, you know, what I like to do throughout my day is take a deep breath when I'm in a calm space. So my body starts to feel comfortable taking deep breaths. So at any time of day, right? Let's say two, three times a day, I'm going to take a deep breath and kind of remind my body that my breath is right here. It's right here to be used at any time when I need it the most. And when I feel triggered, I can feel comfortable taking a deep breath because I'm already getting my body used to it. And taking a deep breath, even three, four deep breaths, And we kind of feel, if we're very in tuned with ourselves, like if we choose to be in in tuned with ourselves at that moment, when we take the deep breaths, we feel the emotions pass through our body, kind of like a wave in the ocean. And you're going to feel them leave your body too. And at that point, we're going to be able to use a little bit more logic, right? How do I want to go about this right now? Can we do this
0: in private? Can we
1: like run away and close the door? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it it really depends because we also um, don't want to send the message to our child that right now you're too much for me, right? I can't handle you because they probably can't handle how they're feeling themselves. So if we go away from it, then they feel like, okay, there is what to feel this way right now, right? There is what for me to feel so anxious. Even my mother can't handle this, right? So we want to send the message that it's okay how you're feeling. It's okay.
0: It is completely okay. So isn't it okay? Yes, it is okay to feel all these feelings, but don't we also want to send the message to our children that it's okay to feel feelings, but it's not okay to act on certain feelings?
1: Yes. And we show them that by staying with them through our trigger. Right. And showing them like, I'm feeling emotional emotions right now. Right. I'm, I'm basically feeling all of this and I'm also going to choose not to react. And I'm showing this to you right in front of you. Right. So we can even say, wow, this is very hard for me right now. Right. And we're taking a deep breath. It's really hard. I'm having, Oh, I don't feel good in my body right now. Oh, I'm going to take another deep breath. And our child is there, they see us, right? We're actually modeling this to them, that yes, we can feel all sorts of emotions come and go in our body. And we also get to decide after, right? How am I gonna go about this situation now? What do, How do I wanna go, uh,
0: you know, what do I wanna do next? Yeah. I notice another thing that, and teachers thing that is just not, acceptable amongst children is just crying for no reason meaning if you're gonna cry there has to be a reason that you're crying it has to be a very good reason and I mean I would only cry if there's something sad to cry about right you know um, I come from a, a Persian traditional family where tears and vulnerability and sadness there's no place for that Yes. somebody die did you like break your leg did you lose an arm no be grateful be happy right, right. so this is a cultural phenomenon that happens with all the people in our generation especially i don't know from a Sephardic community this is how we were raised yeah tears crying is bad and i notice for myself it's very hard for me to see crying like for nothing. Yeah. I get triggered by it. Right. So saying
1: saying for nothing is a real judgment on our part. You see, we're judging that it's nothing. Think about this, you know, a child who's crying, why would, or even how could they be faking this for nothing? You see what I'm saying? Us adults, we, we are not just gonna cry for nothing or cry, um, pretend, right? To pretend cry. We could pretend to put a smile on our face. We could pretend to be okay. And we need to be more concerned about that as a society, as a whole, than the crying. Because the crying shows that a child feels safe enough to show us how they're feeling They're being authentic with us, they feel safe. And also what we lack to understand is how healing crying is. Crying is a way for the body. You see words, we're very limited with our words. Sometimes there's no words to express the pain we feel inside of ourselves. So the body expresses it through tears when there's not enough words, when there's no words to express how hard this is for us inside of ourselves. The body will show it to us through tears and tears actually contain. Um, I think it's like stress.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Anyhow I have it on my page, a whole thing that I explained, but basically that is the healing, right? To allow a child to cry is what allows room in their body afterwards for more emotions to come in, right? For happy emotions to come in, for their body to feel better, And when we understand this and we cry ourselves and we are in tune with ourselves and we begin to uh, like look inwards and say, wow, I feel better. I just cried. And that like whole load came off of me. Right. Right. And when we understand that, we kind of want to offer space for our children to cry. Like, I see this is really hard for you. And I don't need to understand. We don't need to understand why our child is crying. That is not for us to judge, right? If my child is crying, that means they are really having a hard time. And I so hear you with it being associated with ungratefulness or disrespectful or, and these are things that we were taught to believe and it's not true. We could be extremely grateful and also experience pain these two things can coexist, right? Like for, yeah. Like for example, in a marriage, if a wife is crying, then a husband's like, Oh, what did I do? What happened? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're not happy with me. You're not happy. You're not grateful. (laughs) Look at the life you have. And it's like, hold on. I can experience sadness and also love my life and also love our marriage. And same is true with our children. If they're crying, it doesn't mean that they're unhappy in our house. It means they're happy in our house. They feel safe enough to express it. And what better gift it is to give them the ability to let it all out so they don't go to adulthood mm-hmm.
0: carrying all
1: of these emotions stuffed inside them.
0: Right. Okay. Every time you say something, I have like literally like 7,000 <laughs> thoughts. I don't know <laughs> what to say. Okay. Let me take it one step at a time so i wanted to make a comment about the crying and i do notice that for myself when i cry sometimes i'll cry like every day maybe for like a minute 30 seconds and it's so healing and cathartic and therapeutic i feel like a burden just like came off my shoulder and sometimes i don't even know why i'm sad like today couldn't tell you like why I was feeling a certain way. I just felt like off. Yeah. And I needed to just cry. And my husband was like, what what (laughs) happened? Why are you crying? I'm like, no reason. There's just no reason. I'm just crying. I don't know. But it was very healing to cry. Our body knows what it needs. That's the beauty of it.
1: You see, our bodies know right now, this is what it needs to feel better.
0: Right. But then I see people and I see a lot of children who are perpetually sad, like crying nonstop. I'm a toddler teacher, so I see these types of kids all the time. At what point, I mean, do you allow a child to just cry and cry and cry? Like, is there a limit to sadness?
1: Yeah. So what you're what you're bringing up is 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 a sensitive topic, and I'm I'm gonna say what I have to say, even though I know that some parents (laughs) aren't gonna be happy with this. But reality is is that toddlers aren't meant for the school system yet. They are way too young. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I like this. And you know, it's 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 like saying, you know, why is my newborn crying all night? Like they're not meant to be sleeping all night they are going to cry all night. Like they need, they have needs. So toddlers, same with them. So, you know, you're describing a, a class setting with many, many toddlers and not enough caregivers for the amount of toddlers and their and needs attention. And, and attention. And, and it's hard, you know, if you calculate how many hours parents are with their children, like you'll understand these these toddlers need their parents. It's true, they're right. Like they, they're right for crying that much. Like I really understand them. you know, sometimes I ask parents, like, let's calculate how many hours your child's with you. And it's like literally an hour in the morning, and half that time we're busy rushing them. and then in the evening, it's like another hour and a half before they go to sleep. That's two and a half hours a day, and half of it is asking a child to do things like. That is not a lot of time.
0: Those people who rain on the parade, you know, like everyone's just easygoing and chill. One person who is just like the Debbie Downer or the person who is always complaining and sad and crying all the time. So nuisance for other people. Like about toddlers right now, I'm talking about in general. Just in general, in general, like, for example, a family that
1: has one child that is always going to cry or complain. Or... Yeah,
0: like the other siblings don't want to hear it all the time. They're like, stop crying already. Like, to be honest, I, th- I think most normal adults don't want to hang out with someone who's always sad all yeah. day.
1: So sometimes a child can continuously cry and complain because they don't feel validated enough. So they're trying to get their message across, right? Hear me out, do you understand me? Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? If a child doesn't feel validated, they will seek their need to feel validated, right? Because they wanna know, you know, is this normal how I'm feeling? And we get to show them this, right? If we're gonna be invalidating and say, there's nothing to be afraid of, there's nothing to worry about, don't worry then now they're feeling kind of crazy with their worry, right? Like I'm feeling worried right now and you're telling me not to feel worried. So it's just going to continue and it's going to continue, right? Versus a parent going to see a child who's in distress and wanting to understand, right? Depending on the situation, if they're capable of having a conversation or not and really validating their experience, right? I understand this is hard for you right now. I understand you. It's so understandable that you feel this way right now. I get it, right? And just to sit with them and say, I hear you and I get it and I understand can go a really long way. And sometimes I feel like that's what these children really need, you know, just to be validated.
0: I think adults are afraid of validating a child's experience or emotion because they're scared that if they tell them that what you're feeling is quote unquote true, then they're actually reinforcing this behavior, which I wanna talk to you about, where I think that the traditional mainstream parenting obviously focuses a lot on behavior, but your approach is actually, I don't know if it's anti-behavior, but you don't really believe in the aspect of child. Can you um, explore that with us a little bit? like? Tell us your approach and how it's different from the mainstream approach.
1: Yes. Well, what you're saying is that a parent might be afraid of, I don't know, let's say, let's say being disrespected, right?
0: Yes. That's a big
1: one. That's a big one. Okay. So let's say disrespected. So already the term you see already saying my child is disrespectful is a judgment on our part. And I'll explain it. A child is showing us behaviors that many would say are unacceptable, right? So for right. example, they're, they're yelling at their sibling, they're pushing their sibling, um, and we're going to say, oh my gosh, they are so disrespectful. So that is already a judgment because really in reality, whatever our children show us, whatever they're doing is just a way of communicating something in the best way they could. And when we say, oh, that's so disrespectful, we're giving it a judgment, right? We're judging it. Really, if a child is pushing their sibling or bothering them constantly, maybe what they're trying to say is, I want to play with you right now. I want to be involved in this right now. So us as a parent, we're the ones that need to coach our children, right? And say, oh, wow. It seems like you have something really important to say right now to your sibling. So you see that shift? It's not you're being disrespectful to your sibling and stop that. It's I see you have something so important that needs to be communicated. And I'm wondering what it is. Is it that you want to play with them? And oftentimes children will say yes, right? Or they'll say no. Oh, they'll say no, or I I want them to move. I want them to move, Right. And at that point, we can say, oh, okay, so let's tell them that. Let's say what you're feeling right now. Let's tell them. And then we stay there and we see the child say, you know, I want you to move or I also want to play with you guys. And then they're going to go back and forth and communicate. So to deal with just what we see without seeing that there's something behind it is kind of like this... um, vicious circle that we can go into without actually helping our child. And we miss out on actually helping our child because just to see the behavior and label it is not helpful, but to see the behavior as communication, my child's trying to communicate something. They're doing the best they could, you know, think about it. Why would our children not do the best they could? Like really, why would they not do the best they could? They're doing their best. And this shows me where my child's at and my role as a parent, right? What I need to guide them through, what skills I need to still work on with them. So I don't want to eliminate what some parents would call, quote unquote, disrespectful behavior. I want my child to show me all of these parts of themselves because then that gives me the opportunity for me to step into my role and actually guide and teach them what they're lacking.
0: I think a big issue is that a lot of parents don't have the time or they don't make the time to sit down, be with their children, teach them and guide them. You know, maybe sometimes parents only have like 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, like between working some parents work full time, running around, maybe they don't have help and busy like handling all these plates, juggling. So is this approach even possible for parents?
1: Yes, it is. Because as much as we can tell our children things all the time, the number one way that they're being guided from us is the way we communicate to them. So when we have a need, right? And we're going to show it to them or express ourselves, right? Also us, sometimes a parent can, we can call, you know, um, today I was at the park and I saw a parent yelling at their child, right? So for me, that is quote unquote, like disrespectful, right? That's disrespectful the way they yelled at their child. In reality, that parent had something important to tell their child, right? So if they work on themselves, right? And say, hey, you know, I have something to communicate to my child right now how am I best gonna communicate this? Because when I do that, that's how my child also learns, right? So if I'm gonna work on modeling this to my children, right? This is how I'm communicating my needs. This is how I'm communicating that I need help. This is how I'm communicating um, anything throughout my day. Every interaction I have with my child offers me this opportunity to guide and to teach them, right? When I show gratitude, when I say, please, And when I say thank you, and when I offer love, um, all of these things are opportunities. So even if we don't have the time to really sit down with our child and say, hey, you know, um, you know, I saw that you mentioned this to your sibling, what was really going on for you at that point? And we don't have the time to sit down with our child. We can still talk about ourselves in that way in the relationship with our child. You know, hey, you know, this morning, um, I said this to you. And I've been thinking it over, you know, and I didn't express myself properly. And I want to show you a better way. And I wish I would have told you. And then we show our child how we would have said it differently, you know, so kind of modeling our child all the time that there are different ways to express ourselves. And we get to choose, right? We got to choose.
0: I remember you made a post I don't recall exactly what it was, but it was something about like that your child's needs come before anybody else's. Oh, yes. Needs. The un- is- the, yeah. yeah. What
1: were you saying? Yeah. It's basically um, sometimes as parents, we're faced with many different individuals' discomforts that come yes. with needs, right? So for example, um, I have a family member over and They're about to, you know, try to manipulate my child to do something, whatever it is, right? And my child's saying no, and the adult is not listening. So this makes me feel very uncomfortable right now because I have to kind of step in for my child. My child feels uncomfortable right now because they're saying no, and the adult's not listening. And the adult is trying to persuade my child. Now, I have to speak up, face this discomfort of speaking up right? Because I lack this ability because of my childhood, right? I was never able to speak up as a child. And today as an adult, I have a hard time. So now I need to speak up and I know that I'm going to bring discomfort in the adult. And that's another thing that's an issue for me because my whole childhood, I've been trying to walk on eggshells, trying to make sure that all the adults around me have a smile on their face, right? So now I'm faced with a situation of my child's discomfort, my discomfort, and the potential discomfort of this adult once I open my mouth. Mm -hmm. So my advice is we have to ask ourselves whose discomfort matters here because it's a choice I'm faced with.
0: Right. Well, what about a situation like you're in a public setting and you're in the supermarket, the typical supermarket example, you're with your kid and they're having a screaming, like crazy tantrum. Everybody is getting very annoyed. Do you continue allowing the child to scream and cry because they need to express themselves? They need to feel their feelings and let it be? Like, yeah. what, what are so, we trying to teach our kids? Yeah.
1: So adults um, around us in a supermarket that think it's crazy, it's because they view it as a crazy tantrum. You see, that's not the way we're supposed to be viewing this, right? It's so sad that in society, that's the way it's viewed, right? Oh, this child is having a crazy tantrum, right? But really what's going on is the child's having a hard time, right? And they're allowed to have a hard time. So it really depends. Um, oftentimes, not because of the adults. I don't shy away from you know, um, the discomfort of everybody around me. And I don't want to show my child that... We need to bend ourselves because of other people's discomfort. You see what I'm saying? We don't need to um, take on this responsibility of making sure everybody around us is comfortable because Mm -hmm. our discomfort matters too. Their discomfort matters too. Why is it that the adult's discomfort is more important than a little human's discomfort?
0: See, this is making me, this is giving me discomfort because i was raised with the belief that adults needs come first you have to respect the adults your elders your parents and whatever they say that is what you have to do so whatever you're saying to me right now this is giving me a little bit of discomfort i mean aren't we also supposed to educate and in a way condition our children that there is behavior for the public and behavior in private. Like I'm You're saying. So sometimes I do
1: remove my child from a situation that we are surrounded by a lot of people, not because of the discomfort of the adults, but more because I want my child to go through this experience in a calm environment where there aren't, there isn't so much noise around them because adults tend to see, you know, pop in, oh my gosh, what's wrong, what's wrong? And kind of try to fix the situation, which I don't want to, right? I trust my child's body to do exactly what it needs to do at this moment. Now, the thing is though, we're adults, right? So we are capable of, you know, not crying and
0: yelling in a restaurant, when we're upset. Do you think it's because of the way we were raised? Because we were conditioned that we have to act proper, we have to have manners, and we have to be polite? Do you think? No, I think,
1: I think it comes with maturity, right? Mm-hmm. With our brain developing and becoming older. Um, and our children lack that because they're younger. So we need to decide as adults, right? Um, is this a good moment for my child to be in a restaurant, right? For example, the restaurant's Maybe right now is not a good time, right? If they're tired, if they're too hungry and they have to wait, right? It could be very hard for children. Yeah. So we, we need to be as adults, the one to decide, you know, is this a good time to bring my child here? Is this a good environment for them right now, depending on their needs? Um, right. But in regards to what you mentioned before, um, saying how, um, what were you saying? How the, the, yeah. So respecting the elders, right? Respecting yes. what, Yeah. So that's, 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 I find, um, you know, it's so unfair that we're taught to only respect the elders. What about little humans? What about them? Mm
0: -hmm. What
1: about how they're
0: feeling? It, It goes back to what you were saying in the beginning of this episode, you were talking about, what were you saying? You were saying that oh we don't own our children and that oh we have to treat children with respect yeah
1: Yeah. when We we treat when we treat children with respect they learn that everyone is worthy of respect that is how they respect everyone else you know if I respect that my child doesn't have to share their toy, for example, right? I'm not gonna force them to give something that's their belonging to someone else. Then they will respect the other child that says, I don't wanna share this with you right now. If I were to force my child, right? And not respect their wish and say, you have to share right now, then they become entitled and feel that, okay, everyone else has to share with me too. Yeah, And they're going to start screaming at other children, right? You have to share with me right now. So the more respect we actually give little humans, the more they respect everyone else and grow into adults that are respectful human beings towards everybody. And I, I, I feel that, you know, it's, it's, I don't know for me the way I go about what some people would call disrespectful behaviors. Whether my child is doing that to a young child of three years old or an older lady of 90 years old, for me, I go about it in the same way because all human beings are worthy of the same exact respect. Little humans, actually, you know, they deserve you know, if we were going to say a little more, probably a little bit more because of their underdeveloped brain and lack of really deep understanding. Older people can understand a little bit more and be more understanding of certain situations that children aren't capable of.
0: Mm -hmm. Not to say that we should be disrespectful towards kids, but the reason why this is... A little mind blowing to hear is because you're never you're always trained to believe that you only have to respect and honor your parents.
1: Right. And and you know, I just want to touch upon this. You know, when we say respect parents, a lot of um what the older generation mean by respect is is do as obey. I say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do as I say, right? And the truth is is that that's not really respect. Respect is a deep feeling of admiration for another individual. And we can't even impose that on somebody. Like, even if I want my child to respect me, reality is I can't force her or control that. How she feels towards me is gonna be what she feels. Mm -hmm. So, or I can demand, right? A fake type of respect of do as I say, for the image of myself and for my ego to feel good, right? Or I can want that real, authentic respect that I build over the years by respecting her. The more I respect my child, the more she's going to have respect for me. She's going to have a deep feeling of admiration because I've always taken her into consideration. I listen to how she feels. I listen to her thoughts around things. I take her into consideration. So we're building a a relationship. So, it depends also what parents want, right? Do you want a fake type of respect that you're just gonna, you know, fear your children into? Or do you want the real respect, real, real, you know, connected relationship with your child that they want to talk to you about things? They want your guidance. They want to hear what you have to say about things. And it
0: all comes full circle. You uh, people have to respect themselves. You're not going to respect your kids if you don't respect yourself.
1: Yeah. That was the very, very challenging thing for me because, you know, I, oh my, like when my child, for example, said no to me, like it was hard for me. And yet I also wanted to say no in my life and I couldn't. Mm. So I knew that I didn't want to take that away from my child. Right. So it's all interconnected. Like we're faced with things and like, we might have a hard time with it. And yet we don't want to take that away from our child. So it's like, I, I was forced, you know, I'm grateful to my children that really taught me that you can say no freely, right? And I, and I remember looking at my children, well, till today, whenever they say no so freely, I'm just reminded that I used to be that way. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to say that freely, just like them. So it's not a matter of like, you know, um, becoming somebody else. It's a matter of rediscovering who we always were as children and retouching that within ourselves, right? Going back to that real self of ours.
0: Can you uh, give an example of how someone who's listening to this right now, if they're starting on their parenting journey or their inner work journey, Where can they begin? How can they do this without getting too lost within themselves and not being in reality?
1: Yeah, so that's um, a really good question. I would say to start with every interaction they have with their child. So every interaction offers us an opportunity. The first one is just to listen, simply listen. You know, your child comes to talk to you, listen to what they have to say and let that guide you. Be curious, don't jump to judge what they tell us. Show curiosity, try to understand. And once we begin to do that with every interaction we have with our child, we begin to build something greater than just every interaction.
0: It's beautiful. And is it ever too late? for someone to get into this when their child is 12 years old, 16, and they've already done the damage, quote unquote. Yeah. Is yeah, it too no, late? You
1: know, no, the beautiful part about being alive is that we really are given an opportunity every single day that we're here. And a lot of us, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of us that weren't offered unconditional love as children we still look for it in our lives like this is a need that we have within ourselves and we still want it right that's the, the 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 one thing we dream of our parents giving us unconditional love so it's never too late because no matter how old we are we really crave that and parents can still give that to to the child no matter how old and honestly the first step you know if we have older children it would be to be honest with them and that actually shows Inner growth, right? You know, I've been thinking about all these years when you were a child, and I wish I went through things differently. And just being honest with our children, you know, showing showing up and being vulnerable with them, that we also have feelings, we also experience things, we also want to change things. And when we change, we're showing them what growth is, because there's
0: no such thing as growth without change. It's beautiful. How does one parent who's on this journey perhaps get the other parent on board who was also raised perhaps in a home, you know, that didn't allow them to do certain things and they get triggered by everything? And yeah,
1: I get that uh, question so often. So the first thing we need to understand on this journey is something that's really liberating, and also very painful all at once, is this reality and really fully accepting that the only person we have control over in the entire world is ourselves. So letting go of the desire to control our children, letting go of the desire to control our partners, letting go of this and accepting this. And it's very liberating because we can now focus on something that really matters, something that can really change, which is ourselves. And it's also painful because we have to deal with the reality that this is who they are and I can't change them. They are the only ones in control of their own life. Now, when it comes to parenting, we need to remember that we are 50% of this relationship, which is huge, huge. So yes, we can't control the other individual, but we're also 50% of it. So the way we go about communicating and, you know, for years, actually, when I was on this, um, you know, mission, I remember like always trying to pump my husband up and, and he had no interest. He's like, like no interest. And I remember feeling so hurt by it. And I was just like pushing even more, you know, Wow. <laughs> and and until one day I no, until one day, actually, I remember he came to me and he's like, this is really annoying. I can't have these conversations anymore. Cause this was like my life. This is all I spoke about. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. And wow. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. And it really hit me, you know, like coming I from was, the
0: parenting coach. Yeah. It awesome. really hit
1: me. Like I was being annoying. Like I was annoying him. And I also realized that every time I would communicate to him it was, I was kind of like on a mission because I wanted him to change. Mm. So we have to ask ourselves when we communicate and share things with our partners, is it for them to better understand us or is it for me to change them? When it comes from a place of, hey, I just want you to understand me. It just goes a lot more smoother because there's no expectations. There's no, nothing attached to it. I just want to share this with you. I found this so interesting versus, I want to share this with you and I hope you do it, you know? yeah. (laughs) So it's very different. And when I stopped trying to change him, it actually felt liberating because I concentrated more on myself. Hmm. So then what happened was something that I didn't realize, but looking back, I realized because, you know, growth is so microscopic. And I basically realized that, just him being with me, he started to pick up things, right? Like how I would talk to my children, how I would go about things. I guess it inspired him, you know, to take the time to listen, to sit down, to, you know, connect with our children. And looking back, I see so much growth that happened, you know, when we step back, just from being an inspiration and from being 50% of you know, a parenting partner in our life with our children. I love that. Yeah. So I think parents um, need to accept, and and it could take time, you know, it could take time. It's not one day to the next that we fully accept this reality. And then just stepping back, focusing on ourselves and trusting, trusting that, you know, it is so inspiring to be around, you know, a parent and a child that is connected, that have uh, conversations that it, it's very inspiring and it will inspire them.
0: It's beautiful, Sterna. Beautiful. You very, you inspired me and I'm sure whoever's listening right now, I mean, I, this is not something that's going to happen right away. Oh, I just listened to this episode and I'm going <laughs> to be connecting with my kids <laughs> right now. Everyone step aside. As you said, this, this is a journey. This takes time. This takes work.
1: Yes, it really does. And that's why actually I'm actually working on my website right now, Karen. Yeah. I'm working on, you know, putting together, um, a lot of content because it's not one day to the next. And I believe strongly in taking baby steps, like such small baby steps, you know, because that's what holds,
0: you know, love that. Sterna, can you tell us some of your hopes and dreams?
1: My hopes and dreams are really that children um, aren't misunderstood anymore, because I feel that a lot of children are being misunderstood. Um, so yeah, that, that is my number one hope, that children um, are understood.
0: Beautiful. Starna, can you tell the audience where they can find you if they want to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing.
1: Thank you. Um, So basically you can find me on Instagram at Sterinaswisa. And also you can sign up um, on my website to be notified when it will be up. So that's S T E R N A S U I S S -S 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 A S-T-E-R-N-A-S-U-I-S-S-A.com.
0: Wonderful. I'll put the link in the episode as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming here. And sharing your parenting journey and educating us about what it means to connect with children and how to understand our children, and that just because that they're little humans, it doesn't mean that we need to treat them in a different way than we do with our elders. I really learned a lot from you, Serna. I am after this episode, I have a lot to think about and One of the things I'm taking away from this, I took a lot from this interview, but one of the things that really hit home for me is that when I am triggered by something that's going on, especially if it's a loud noise or there's fighting going around, take a deep breath and don't run away, be there with them, and that will help you go through the journey with them go through the motions with them because when they see that you are modeling that you're accepting that and it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling the feeling will pass and you'll have a better connection
1: yeah thank you so much for sharing that with me and it's really an honor that you invited me thank you karen thank you serna
0: Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and feel free to reach out with feedback and questions. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk and check out the link in my bio. Let's connect.